Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a Monday night edition of the Illuminati podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Join alongside me, as always, Seth Varnador, Mr. Star of the USF Hype video, <laughs> and Robert Stieg. Uh, fellas, been a pretty exciting weekend, I would say. You know, Friday night, um, women's basketball beat Texas, so that was neat. Um, anything happened Saturday? Uh, the men's basketball team also won. There you go. They blew the doors off of uh, Charleston Southern. That was all that happened, though. Hmm. What a Pretty day. awesome. What a day. What a weekend. Um, but seriously, USF uh, gets their man. They hire Tennessee offensive coordinator Alex Golesh. Um, as we kind of wound down the coaching search, we all uh, respectively said, okay, so it's going to be the mystery box at this point. We've ruled out Deion Sanders, uh, Jamie Chadwell at all, but um, already been to his first chapel at Liberty. It was, okay, so who is option three or maybe even option two? We'll get into that um, as, as we get deeper into the show. But uh, Seth, you actually got a got a little tip. Uh, what late Friday night? Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, perusing Twitter as one does uh, before going to bed, and I saw uh, John Bryce, who works at Football Scoop, and those guys are usually pretty connected. He tweeted so, out that uh, uh, talking about the Cincinnati job that Golish was one of the finalists there, but he was more of a finalist for USF, which was kind of the first time since, you know, I put his name on my like wish list type thing that I'd seen his name in the, in the search. Mm-hmm. So I immediately thought, well, that's interesting. And so I quote tweeted and said, Hey, this is an interesting name. Cause he listed it as he listed him as a finalist. So from a name, nobody had on hot boards or anything to being called a finalist. I thought that was interesting. So I just quote tweeted and said, that's an interesting name. And then um, I got a message shortly after saying that he interviewed on Tuesday and that he would be a killer hire if he was the guy that was hired. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, then there was another name. Uh, interesting. So that <laughs> right. So they'll go through Friday night with that. And then there was another name uh, being bandied about. And so I went back to the guy that sent me that message and, and threw that name at him. And he's like, nah, it's going to be one of these three guys. And Golish was on the list. And then the Saturday night, Golish was hired. So uh, there you go. Um, pretty, I think I, I want to get this out first. It was a remarkable job by Michael Kelly and everybody involved internally at USF that nothing got leaked until they wanted something leaked. And that is the moral of the story here, folks. Uh, they work, they work silently, they work the back rooms, they work the back channels, they're working agents. Any booster, what have you, tells you anything differently. Uh, the I think uh, John Gerds, who used to work at USF, and I think he was like the athletic director, uh, assistant principal at Clearwater Central Catholic, had a really good tweet thread about this last week, is anyone who's in a position to know what's actually going on is in the inner circle and is not going to say a word. 
that's what we need to learn from this because I will tell you right now from start to finish, the coverage of this coaching search was abysmal. And maybe that's, maybe that's on us. Maybe we need to, I didn't feel like wading into that water. We all have full-time jobs. This isn't, this isn't what we do. We hear things. Do we necessarily report things? Unless we are really confident we will, but man, he uh, uh, just, it's not worth it sometimes for at least for us. And maybe, maybe that'll change. Maybe this is um, my editorial direction that I kind of took the place, took the site and maybe it was the the wrong direction. Um, I know Seth, you've mentioned multiple times, Hey, the stuff we do know is it like the stuff we do know that we don't talk about is pretty juicy. Maybe there's a way to capitalize on on that. And I'll say, I I can confidently say that as we exit this coaching search, the stuff we knew that we, um, because we like the people we talk to and we like our sources, we, we are sworn to secrecy until much, much later. Um, maybe that's, that's what it is. And feel you feel nice about the hire. Yeah, you have to sometimes the other this ugly head. Um, that's fair. That's fair, right? Like we maybe we should have done a better. Job also, like the stuff that we were getting was probably a little bit more secure than anybody else. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, we we could have, I think. But what's what's kind of interesting is um, even with some pretty good sources, we're still hearing a lot of different things. I think you had a pretty good handle on it. But I mean, I'm not in this at all. I'm not. I'm a football coach that that looks at film and I had people (laughs) throwing names out to me. And I'm like, well, I haven't even heard these names. So it it was it was a wild search. I think that kind of the fact that you saw so many different names throughout the entire thing probably speaks to how well they did at, at not leaking stuff and how much, you know, like, you know, goalish, they, the guy told me goalish interviewed on Tuesday. Nobody said anything about him. He was, and he wasn't hiding the fact that he was close by. I mean, later on in the week he was recruiting in the area. He was at, right? Yeah. He was at, he was at IMG on so, Friday night recruiting. Yeah, so it's not it's not like he was out of sight, out of mind. So, um, so that was that was kind of interesting. But I think it just goes to show they did a they did a pretty good search. I think they understand. Well, I I to me like I, when I went live on Saturday night, like I you know outside of the process, I think you um you may I think you ended up with a pretty good hire. On the only thing he's missing really is that head coaching experience, um, but. You you kind of the process was weird and windy, but maybe it really wasn't. Maybe it was pretty a lot more straightforward than the speculation would leave you to believe. Um, so that's that's kind of what this is one I'd really love um to one day put I think you, Nate, you've got a pretty good handle on it from talking with people. Kind of the behind the scenes on this one, like an oral history would be really fun, I think. Yeah, right. The kind of- you might want to go. You, you might, might want to go. Pay, you might want to go uh, no oh, picture. no. Damn. No. All right. I, I went for um, as long as I possibly could, right? No. I, I will say, um, 
thank Michael Kelly because I spent so much time on Flight Tracker because the last time that we did shit with Jeff Scott, you flew out of Tampa Exec and flew to Charlotte to meet a guy from Clemson. And that flew under, you know, pun intended, that flew under the radar. And there was a flight from fucking Knoxville that flew into Tampa on Tuesday. I saw it. And I saw it went to Tampa International, the main airport. And it was a private jet. And I was like, there's no fucking way they're sending him to Tampa International when Tampa is closer to, to USF. Fucking dick. Let me tell you, I was I was going through everything on flight. We're trying something because there was no leaks. There was not. I mean, everyone was tossing names and everyone was saying, "Oh, this guy would sound good there. Like this would sound fine, and this guy would make it work." And X and Y and Z. But at the end of the day, everyone was was throwing spit at the wall and seeing what would stick. And you know, some names that we heard it made a lot of sense, and you know. To the end of the day, we'll we'll never know how truly far long got into the process because, like uh, Michael Kelly had said, he interviewed and talked to a lot of people, and whether those interviews and talks were, you know, how you doing, or was it a full fledged interview, we'll never know. Actually, we'll end up finding out, but it won't be made public, from what I've understood. But I mean, to to keep this entire thing under wraps for ninety nine percent of the process. Is just absolutely incredible to me. And everything that leaked out seemed like it was something that they wanted out there in the public. Anything that Kevin O'Donnell tweeted, that was probably from the, the not Michael Kelly, but Michael Kelly adjacent person. You know, anything that went out to Brett McMurphy was when it was finalized, strategically was put out. Everything was under wraps. We'll never know what happened between. November 6th and Saturday night, which, by the way, I was still really annoyed because I turned my phone off at 9.35 on Saturday night because I'd been at the wedding party all day <laughs> and I had, I had heard from you both that we could expect it to happen at some point today if it's going to happen. And I was like, all right, well, they're not going to leak it at 9.45 at night. <laughs> Idiot here. Idiot. They did it. They did it. Um, uh, so t- I think we can kind of jump in um, here. Uh, so Larry D asked, uh, did Dion kick the tires or was it all a phone call? Was it even close to begin to begin with? Um, everything and anything you heard about Dion Sanders being on campus, being near campus, being really close to USF over the last week or so, 100% false not even close, no truth to the rumor. He would never step foot on campus. Um, none of it, not a single thing was true about that. Uh, Dion was out weeks ago. And you kind of, you kind of understand the logic there. He doesn't, I mean, it, Dion, it's Dion freaking Sanders, right? And we, we've talked about this multiple times. He's going to make a splash wherever he goes. And the splash from FCS to USF isn't nearly as big as FCS to Pac-12. And we're seeing that with the videos that are coming out with Dion. Candidly, kind of glad he didn't end up at USF. Um, I don't think 
the program is, I mean, maybe Colorado is not in the same state. Like they're not in the same position either to handle someone like that, but we're going to find out. And Dion was never truly a real candidate. I think they spoke briefly, but for some reason it just never clicked and that's fine. And they moved on pretty quickly. And we, and we kind of heard as much after, uh, like a day or two after we did the film room type stuff, uh, with their offense, we kind of heard a little, we kind of heard a couple days after that he probably wasn't an option anymore. Uh, but you know, the, the buzz kept, kept around and it really seemed like, why did the buzz stay so prevalent? Because I mean, he was, it's obvious he, he was, got, he needed some leverage on Colorado because he got pretty much everything he wanted in that deal. It certainly seems like he's getting them to change their transfer rules at the school. <clears throat> That's not something you just go in and just be like, hey, you know, you need some leverage to be like, yeah. all right, well, I'll go to USF. That's yeah, a better but- location anyway, you know. <laughs> Right. So it's certainly seems like, like it was USF is letting me design their stadium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're plotting out water fountain locations over yeah. here. You can't change your transfer rules. Yeah. So uh yeah, so I it, it certainly seems looking back, um that it was definitely the, the reason it stayed buzzy is because of leverage. So yeah. Um uh, and I also believe Michael Kelly's exact words when alluded to. Uh, sorry, Nate, you left there for a second. I believe oh, Michael Kelly's exact words when uh, when when asked if he had spoken to a certain candidate was, "quote Yes, we had a conversation." So maybe a hey, how you doing? How's how's life? How's kids? Right. Click. You, you want you want how much money? Okay. Good luck. Oh God, they're they're acing to a reporter. We don't have the money yet. Yeah, that you want to talk about how much leverage you had? They don't even have the money. <laughs> the lady came and said, Well, we don't actually have that money yet. So could you that, could you, you want to talk about Michael leverage? Kelly said that? Oh my <laughs> oh, god, they, we would have <laughs> We were talking about having some leverage. He had so much leverage, they they agreed to pay him more money than they have, and change the rules of their school, which has been around quite a long time. So uh, yeah, that AD and the president actually have to go to Amscot real quick. So it'll <laughs> it check should clear any minute now. Um, that was wild. I mean, the entire press conference was wild. Uh, I mean, him standing in front of his 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 team, saying, uh, "You know, I, I brought my bags, and they're Louie." And then, what a line, by the way! I mean, that is a great line. It's a line, uh, and I, and here's your quarterback. It's my son. I mean, I don't even think he technically entered the portal when he said that. So, tampering. It was it, it was wild, um, all around. It, and you know the 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 train's not slowing down anytime soon. Um, I think Seth, kudos to you. Your top three uh, pay and pray candidates are now all at new jobs. So good, good for you. Uh, <laughs> so finger on the pulse, baby. <laughs> finger finger on the pulse. As Sean Lewis takes the OC job at Colorado. That's a wild. That's a wild one right there. He's probably getting paid. 
he wasn't making. Half. I think he was making like eight fifty or something. It's something he was making. Yeah. Le- he made less than Colorado's offensive coordinator before Dion got there. So yeah. I'm sure he's going to do well. So, um, yeah, my question with him is his offensive coordinator. So, um, Kent State, I, one reason I liked him, they run kind of a similar Baylor type, they run a similar offense to what Tennessee runs. So, uh, that's one reason I liked uh, Sean Lewis. Um, but his OC is Andrew Soder. He's kind of in the same boat, runs that offense is really, really good. I think, uh, they kind of took off when he came in. Um, I think he might be. Because Lewis had some bad years himself at Syracuse as the OC, but this guy's been pretty good. So if he doesn't get the Kent State job, I'd really be interested to see if he becomes a candidate to come to USF with Golish. The offense is similar. Golish said he's kind of uh, wouldn't be opposed to having a coordinator, offensive coordinator. I'm not not sure about the play calling duties, but that would be a guy that I think that could add some value. So that'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And we, um, yeah, just above 500,000. I mean, good Lord. Good Lord. I I think Bob Shute was making close to a million. Yeah. So, I mean. Sean Lewis was was a gettable. Yeah. I thought a P5 would come in and hire him. That was really kind of why I thought you had to pay him. But uh, a P5 did come and hire him just as the coordinator. Yep, just as the offense coordinator. And we'll get we'll get into uh the press conferences uh here on Monday. Uh you know, Mike Kelly talked, uh Real Law, President Real Law talked, um Alex Golesh talked. Uh I think the, well, the I think the well Weatherford talked. Um I think the important thing or one of the, the bigger things is uh Golish had his DC lined up on Saturday and it it appears to be Todd Orlando, who is the current defensive coordinator at FAU. He was with Tom Herman at stops at Houston and Texas uh, before before that. So uh, I'll let you guys talk. Uh, it, FAU had an 86th ranked defense per SP plus. Seth, your thoughts on on that hire and what you may be able to see from from this Todd Orlando defense. So Todd Orlando is known for being super aggressive, doing a bunch of different, um, you know, I I shared a link on Twitter and I know, I think Steve shared this similar link. If you want to really get in the nitty gritty X's and O's are some really good articles on his, some of his time at Texas, but he's the guy that's going to be aggressive. He's going to be multiple in terms of like, you know, dropping guys, blitzing guys from different areas, using a bunch of different uh, positions on defense. Uh, being really multiple, maybe that needs to be reined in a little bit. But, um, uh, you know, <clears throat> to me, the signals that you're going to go for, and this is something I talked about on Saturday night a little bit when everyone was kind of like, why are, why is USF not hiring a defensive head coach? Why are you not hiring a defensive head coach? The defense is terrible. You, why don't you go defensive head coach? So defense is a lot more tied to your talent level. So defense performance can be tied to talent level a lot more than offense can. You look at the top performing defenses typically and stuff like SP plus. It's usually typically now it doesn't isn't always this way, but you will see the top tens riddled with top ten recruiters. Like so, defense is a, not totally, but a lot of it can be. There is a correlation between talent and defensive performance. What you can do with a bad defense, if you look at. Um, like a team like USC, 
who Todd Orlando was there before. I think they got worse this year. Um, but what they did is they decided, you know what, we're going to go really high variance. You're going to score touchdowns on us or we're going to get takeaways, right? And get the ball back. And you can do that when you have a really good offense. If your offense is really explosive, you can do that. I'm going to be super high variance on defense. We're going to be aggressive. If I get two extra possessions on offense, I'm going to win because my offense is going to score almost every time we have the ball, right? That's a way to play. That's how USC played this year. It worked out for them mostly. Obviously, you saw if something happened to the quarterback, they got dinged, and then they got waxed because the defense is terrible if you don't get those turnovers. Well, I don't know if you guys have been watching the last couple of years. The defense is not very good. So what can you do to make a quick fix? Maybe play more high variance. Try to turn turn people over, be really aggressive. If you get those two turnovers a game in your offense – so that's the other thing, like the other side, USF offense actually great, 38th, ended up 38th in SP+. This system typically has offenses in the top 10. So even just think about the games that were close. If the offense is a little better and doesn't sputter at all, maybe you pick up a couple more wins last year, even with the defense as it is. So if you have an aggressive guy like Todd Orlando, which this tells me that's what it's going to be. It's going to be hyper-aggressive, blitzing like crazy, uh, just trying to rip the ball constantly, cause turnovers, cause tackles for loss, not caring about giving up the big play as much as long as we get the ball back to the offense. And if the offense is really good, like it could be, that's your winning formula, I think, next year. So that's what it signals to me. And he's and Golish himself said, this is going to be the most aggressive defense in America. Well, Todd Orlando's got a reputation for being aggressive. And he's had some good defenses in the past, too. Yeah, I, I think, you know, to be seen, you know, I think especially now with the error of the transfer portal and how bad the defense was, you don't know what he's going to have, what, you know, what his uh, deck of cards is going to look like. And even not conversely on the offensive side, you don't know what the deck of cards is going to be. I know this offense is predicated on scheme. You, you got to have a big arm. Sometimes there's some dummy routes uh, that, you know, the one, the plays going to one side of the field. So you'll see, you know, the other side just kind of jog it out to save energy, whatnot. Um, I read the, the athletic article. I think it was from earlier this year about, uh, well, Hendon Hooker's got a pretty freaking strong arm. So you can have those guys and, and you'll see they're, Yes, Andrew, the, the very wide, it's a widespread offense, like guys in between the, the sideline and the numbers. Like you don't see that very often, like far side of the field. If you have a quarterback who can make those throws, it makes the offense a little bit more explosive. I think Byron Brown can do that. I think Gary Bohannon may struggle in that department. I know it's kind of similar offensive scheme wise but i mean these splits are insane and it helps you run the ball really well i think brian Batie would be fantastic in this sort of offense um jesus <laughs> i mean as so for for our live listeners uh you'll see i mean look how freaking wide those splits are so you get a stack you get a two yeah. by two two and then you get a stack at the bottom side of the screen and then the splits are just insane yeah emotion to and the we'll, we'll clip we'll clip this for the the people who just listened to the podcast only we'll clip this and put it on twitter and stuff but i mean 
the splits are ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, just look like you got both the guys splitting the difference between the bottom outside receivers splitting the difference between the bottom of the numbers and the sideline. And typically, you know, you don't want guys. And this is when the ball's on the right. So the ball's on the right hash and your receiver outside the left is outside the numbers, which is crazy. Usually, you know, you'll be at the bottom of the numbers or the top of the numbers if the ball's in the middle of the field. And then you'll bump into almost where he is if the ball's on the right hash. So it's super wide, but what does it do? It totally distorts the defense and it limits what they can do. And they have to show you what they're doing because you can't really like I can't rotate a safety from I can't I can't like really rotate this safety over to there. I can't really bring him down and get him on top of this over here. Like I kind of have to show how I want to play this and it kind of limits me. That's why these offenses are so good. They go fast. They know what they're calling. They know how to line up fast. And then you got to figure it out really quickly. And I was reading that same article, Nate, and and probably the, the thing that really stuck out to me was not talking about Alex Golish and Josh Heupel and the offense that they ran they actually interviewed defensive coordinators that had to go up against Golish and Heupel's offense. Right. And they were all saying the same thing. You know, they, they have having the extra week doesn't mean anything. They have to simplify their playbook down to I, one of them. So they had five, five plays, five, five plays five on defense. Calls. That's it. And he was just for, like, we just rotate them. We just like go in order almost. And it was say? one, it was one, two, three or four five. And, yeah. and that's all that the defense could do. The deep, like the, they had the same guy, like there was nothing to it. It, it was incredible to read. And it, it like looking back at it, looking back at when we played UCF under Josh yeah. Heupel and Alex Golish, it makes sense now why it was so annoying. Yeah. So right. look at just real quick. And I think we maybe do a film room maybe later this week or next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, one second. I got this film, but it ended up being only um, the person that gave it to me. That's they got it from a draft. So it's only like passing games. So it's only Hendon Hooker throwing the ball in this game. So I want to get some run stuff in there too. But this was an interesting. You see how wide the field is. And what does that do? Well, now when the field gets this wide, if I've got like a Bohannon or a Byron Brown back there, well, now. Thanks. Nobody's in the middle of the field. I'll just take off and run. And it gets super easy. You'll see it better from this back view. That's easy five on five. This is an RPO. Okay, I got a light box. I'll just keep it. Thanks. And it's 10 yards before I'm touched, right? And these are, you know, this one not particularly, but some of the teams they played have some pretty good defenses. So this is not one of them. <laughs> but, but, uh, there are some pretty good defense they play, but the, just doing that kind of stuff is really a problem and really makes you um, – that's why he was on my list initially. This offense really intrigues me. I haven't really studied it a ton. I've seen bits and pieces. I did um, – if you look, I think uh, it's on the Daily St. Pete. It's also on my YouTube page, Vornor Films. I have a big Tennessee uh, video looking at back at their time at UCF. So with, um, you know, one year, I think, was just Hypo, then one year with Goalish. And then I have a Tennessee preview from earlier this year that kind of shows what Tennessee does to just make your life miserable. And um, it's a lot of good stuff. But it, you can watch. If you want it really in-depth, you can go there. But it's just really, really tough. Like, Steve said, to get ready for in a week. 
And it's different. It's not just like a normal spread. It is a little bit different. And when he adds uh, interesting run game stuff to it, now it becomes really tough to deal with. And they use a lot more motion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to be an exciting offense. I think. Uh, I think Golish even said it today or Monday, um, as people listen to it throughout the week. Uh, you know, his job. You know, the university's done a pretty good job with branding. Uh, his job is to make football fun and sexy. Uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good damn quote from a from a head coach. I'll be honest. I don't think I've. Uh, heard that from a head coach uh, possibly ever covering USF. And I mean, that's really, really what it is. I mean, we've preached about athletics being the the front door of your university. You want your football team to be fun and sexy. If it's not going to win national titles, this is the way to do it. It's what got USF successful uh, under Willie Taggart. It's what's going to get USF back to wherever they need to go uh, again USF was was always really good when they had a fun offense. This on paper on the surface looks like it could be that he just needs to fix the other piece. The thing that he really doesn't have much control over and that's the defense. And I'm going to be interested to see what, who else he brings in with uh, Todd Orlando. Um, There's some, there's some scuttlebutt about Kevin Patrick, uh, from FAU joining him at USF. Uh, you folks may know Kevin Patrick as the guy who coached JPP and the guy who was an OG USF coach from 96 to 98, the guy who coached uh, uh, Corey Grissom, uh, Terrell McLean, um, who else? Uh, Alkino Dillon, or excuse me, Alkino Watson. Um, the guy knows what Aaron he's doing. Lynch. It, Aaron Lynch. Uh, as, as well. So if he can bring Kevin Patrick over, I think that's going to be fun. A nice shot in the arm for the, uh, for the team. And I mean, Seth, we've kind of talked about maybe the defensive line wasn't being coached properly. And it's sometimes, um, it, it, it's sometimes really tough. You'll see it a lot where really, really talented players have a hard time translating what they can do or what they know to people who don't have the natural gifted ability because they're like, well, it's, it just comes so easy to me. Why can't you do it? And maybe that was the issue uh, with Taquan Bowers is like, this guy was a freaking specimen from high school through college, through the pros. It's like, uh, it's, it's so easy. Why aren't you guys able to do it? Well, sometimes you, Sometimes that there's the issue there. There's why a lot of bad, uh, maybe former quarterbacks are really good head coaches now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Golish goes because he talked today about giving young guys opportunities because he got opportunities when he was a young guy. And I think that's great. Um, but there's also like, I think the Jeff Scott hired a bunch of guys that had no, had no on field experience before. Not to say they're bad coaches, but. How many guys did he hire as their first job ever on field? Like, really? So that was kind of more, I guess, more my point. Not necessarily that guys, when we, when we talked about it, not necessarily guys weren't getting coached properly. It's that how many of these guys is their first time ever coaching, right? So I, I thought that was, you know, are these guys ready for that opportunity? 
you know, maybe they weren't. Um, but so that'll be interesting to see how the goalish it kind of fills his staff out. If he goes with the first two names we've heard on the defensive side, those are pretty veteran presences that have some uh have some resumes behind them. So he may be going that way, which I don't I don't know. It seems that not necessarily the better way, but it seems maybe the floor is a lot higher in those type of situations, right? I think the previous staff before Jeff Scott had a lot of guys with resumes that have been around the block for the most part, right? And the floor was higher. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what the staff staff looks like. Um, He did mention, you know, there's still potential that some guys who are on staff stay on staff. It's going to be interesting to see how that kind of falls out. Um, you know, we are big Travis Trickett guys. I don't know how how that scheme, that offense kind of would fit in or what he – I think Travis Trickett's done a good enough job to go be the play caller somewhere else. Um, I think what he's put on film this season um, is deserving of an opportunity to run his offense his way and not – maybe be shoehorned into someone else's offense. Um, so that's something to look out for. I think the Prado is probably a good, good option to keep around. I think the players like them. The fans obviously like them. And frankly, think, having two gingers on staff would be fantastic. Do you think the special team, do you think the special teams has been good enough? Uh, outside, outside of punt, outside, outside of, of kick return. Outside of punting, yeah, I think kick the kicking game's been pretty good. I yeah, think I mean, like the, I feel like the main the main problem last year, at least, was or not last year, this past season was was that you had no healthy punter, uh, basically the entire year. So that kind of you had to really pull a guy out of nowhere because your starting punter wasn't you know healthy to start the season. So well, uh, microcosm of the season. The backup guy wasn't the guy that was dropping the ball, right? Which I guess is not really on coaching. They 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 give you snaps to catch and practice. So I'm assuming he's catching them in practice. But I guess right. with with Golish saying to me that how uh, how important special teams was to him, you're looking at uh, USS special teams and SP plus. I think it was 94th. So and SP plus yeah. is in the BL end all on special teams ratings and things like that because it's kind of wonky. But you know, it's not like the starting field position was particularly good. And now some of that's because the defense was so bad. But um, you know, do you think do you think Golish looks at it and goes, Yeah, that's good. That's that's what I want in terms of the the greatness on special teams that I'm after. Do you think that's enough? I think it was good think, the year before, right? Right. Yeah. And, and I think the continuity of of a guy like the Prado on staff outweighs the negativity for something like special teams. I mean, special teams is, is, is a key component of you know the football game, but at the same time, it, it's not again, one or two plays aside of, you know, a dropped punt. And then, a, you know, I think a muffed uh, punt at some point as well. You know, there was nothing that like was, it wasn't like it was detrimental football. It wasn't like watching LSU special teams this past year. Like they weren't like (laughs) vehemently terrible. They, they, like you could just tell the injury started to pile up. And so now the guys that were normally, you know, playing special teams and doing special teams only are now starting on defense 
And so right. now they're getting more gas and more winded. So maybe now they're not blocking as much on pot return or, you know, they're, they're, yeah, know, that's, I think that's, a a good, assignments. that's a good point, right? Injuries hurt special teams a lot more than, than you think, than people think, right? <laughs> so we saw that in 2020, right? Where when guys would be out for the games, you've got guys that were only playing special teams having to play defense. Now who's playing special teams, right? So, uh, Injuries do play a big part. You are, that is cr- that is true, and that could explain some of the issues, right? Right, and, and and like I said, the continuity of bringing of keeping a guy like the Prado personality wise is, I think, more important than anything. Because I think if you just try to restart the staff, you're 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 kind of setting a bad precedent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not knocking Jeff Scott's decision because Jeff Scott's decision of doing that was actually kind of smart at the time because the, you know, there was a lot of toxicity in that locker room. But I, I think if you can keep one or two guys from the staff, um, you know, you, you got to take a good hard look at everyone and, right. and figure out where the problems are, where the problems aren't watch film. Um, that would be helpful. Hey, well, he, he's done he's, that. He's, he's yeah. already said that. And he's already talked to some of the coaches. I mean, he's a winner in my book. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> They got, he's one to know comparatively. <laughs> and I, I mean, even Charlie strong kept some guys from Oli Taggart's coaching staff, if I'm not mistaken. And, and then kind of sprinkled in some guys. Like I think Sean King stayed as running backs coach in 2017, 18 and 19. Right. Like I'm fairly certain of that. Um, God, it's been so long. We're what, this is going to be our third coach in five years, something like that. This will be my third. This will be my third coach, and I've been here four years. That's this remarkable. Is, um, so, I think the continuity helps. I don't. I don't recall ever seeing a coaching staff just get completely cleared out, and the and the team the first year be especially good. Now Jeff Scott had COVID and everything to deal with, but it. It just it's tough, especially when you don't ca- talk to the, the outgoing coaching staff prior to leaving, especially when you don't watch the film of the players. So you can address uh, them, uh, d- address the deficiencies uh, properly in the portal and uh, recruiting that first season. You really put yourself behind the eight ball um, and it looks like Golish is avoiding those simple landmines that Jeff Scott seemingly uh, jumped on with enthusiasm. And I think one reason he is, is because, you know, I I think Jeff Scott came in really positive, but a little naive because he had only been in one place. They turned it around there. Uh, Now it's not like, um, so he was kind of, he was there when they started to turn that thing around, but it's still only one spot. They did things a certain way. It worked. Yeah, I think he assumed, hey, this works. I'm just going to bring this down here, spread the good word of Clemson. It's going to work, <laughs> right? And, and and Golish has been a guy, and Michael Kelly mentioned it uh, a couple times today, just having to start at these diff- – be going, being in different places. I think that's one of the biggest differences, right? On the surface, you say, okay, it's, a, it's an offensive coordinator that's, that's never been a head coach. That's the same hire. And even hired the FAU defensive coordinator, right? Uh, but – when you look past it, it's okay. One guy's been in one place, learned one way how to do things. Golish has been around. He, I mean, he was a GA for Jim Trestle. How long ago was that? 2003, four, five, yeah, it's 20, it's 20 years ago. Just to, like, so he was a GA for Jim Trestle. He coached with Matt Campbell. He's 
you know, whatever you think about Heupel being at UCF, Heupel's a pretty good offensive coach. He's been around and he's been in places where they had to build it up in different ways. Iowa State, right? right. Toledo, not not a bunch of good. Now it's kind of at the point where it's got better. Uh, it's got kind of the it's the kind of the king of the Mac in terms of resources and facilities. And it may have been then, but they kind of took it and and brought them from the brink up. And then Iowa State's kind of probably even a worse situation than Toledo in terms of its conference, and they've made them successful. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's some difference there, and that's probably why he did avoid some of these landmines because he probably doesn't he didn't think that hey man I got the I, I got the formula I got it's gonna this is all I got to do do this stuff, and so right. he's come in with a little bit different attitude, and I think that's gonna help him. I think so too. I, I think uh, the most important thing I, and I, this is probably just, um, it crosses professions is, um, being and being okay with learning as you go. And I think that may have been the bigger struggle for Jeff Scott outside of, I mean, he did fix the culture and there are things in place that were definitely not put in place. I saw someone, um, forgive me if I, I saw it scrolling past that. Um, I guess it was mentioned today during the the press conference or whatever, that they've spent more on the infrastructure of USF or more over the last, what, 25 months, 24 months than they did in the previous 25 years. And in a large part, that's due to Jeff Scott and and the vision that him and Michael Kelly had put together. Um, It's unfortunate that he could never get it right on the field, but damn, we're, we're here now. Um, That's, that's, that's how the cookie crumbles. And it looks like the stadium's going to be, you know, Thank God for Dion for speeding up the timeline and making it 2026. Uh, I don't know what we would have done without him. Um, so shout out Prime for that. Um, but it's all heading in the right direction. I drove by the uh, f- indoor facility Friday night. Um, I was I stopped by the basketball game for a little bit and then went to a band thing for um, my sister-in-law's boyfriend. And I mean, the chills I got just like driving by it, seeing the massive iconic you seeing South Florida, seeing shit, seeing the plants that they're putting in there, like around the facility, because it's going to be there forever. Uh, I'm just saying, I'm excited for where the direction is headed. Now I think someone set it up, uh, just just win freaking games. All this is well and good. Just win some damn games. If you win three, I'm ecstatic for you. I I think that's all it, you know, Regardless what uh, what we say now, what, and that's why we we did some positives and some negatives on Saturday night. Like, why? How could it work? How could it go wrong? Right. Regardless of what you think of the hire, what the process was like. If he wins games, it's a great hire. If he loses, it wasn't. It's kind of you know Jeff Scott. Everyone loved it. Bad hire. Didn't work. So it was a bad hire, right? So he wins. Great hire. I just I saw a lot of, you know, obviously first pass that a lot of people were kind of I don't want to say struck by it, but we're just on first pass. You hear off corner and that, you know, eerily kind of gives you Jeff Scott flashbacks and, you know, the, the worries around that. And I think the, I, I've tweeted it multiple times that you, you can't let past failures dictate how you're going to act in the future. Um, because I, I feel like a lot of the times ADs will, you know, if they have to fire a coach, 
they're they're so worried that they will miss opportunities in front of them because they have to go for the the exact opposite guy. You know, I, I won't mention the name, but there was a name being tossed around that I, I think when you know come Saturday we were kind of saying we we're like that's fine because it's basically the opposite of Jeff Scott, and, and we then you know coming down to it, it's like no, 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 we we can't just go for the opposite here. Um, right. we have to go with someone that fits and someone that's smart. And Seth, when you, when you showed me the the message and they said they were going with someone with offense, I was like, why, why are we going with someone with offense? We already have an offensive coordinator that you can keep. That's running a pretty good offense, hire a defensive guy. And then after I said that, I was like, wait, no, that's kind of stupid. The, the team won one game last year. It does not matter <laughs> who, who is the offensive coordinator, who's the defensive coordinator. You, you kind of need the best fit for your do. You know, if it works, it's great and it's wonderful. If it doesn't work, you know, we'll, we'll you know, circle back and have this conversation again. But, you know, I think this, this hire has met with a lot of negativity because, you know, you got her about Dion and then James Edwell and everything like that. But at the end of the day, this team to on the team, we have to be there for the team as much as we possibly can. That's going to end up being successful at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I think the, the hire was met in negativity, I think, because nobody in the media reported this name. So people were totally caught off guard, hadn't done research. All they see is offensive coordinator from Tennessee. They're like, Oh, this again. Right. Uh, but one big difference that I want to make sure is out there and we'll see if it works, but one big difference between, right. Because it's not just that it's an offensive coordinator. It's an offensive coordinator with the top 10 offense, right? Clemson's offense is top 10 because of their players. Tennessee's offense is top 10 and number one because of the scheme. That's the big difference to me. Clemson's offense, you see what it looks like now without the best players. If I don't have three NFL receivers and a number one picket quarterback and a, a first round picket running back, how good does the offense look? It doesn't look so great this year or last year, right? This offense has had like, where's Bryce Petty? Remember Bryce <laughs> Petty? Where is he? Like he ran this, the, you know, like these guys, how many, how many guys that run this offense aren't NFL quarterbacks. There's a few guys that have made his NFL receivers. You know, what happened to, you know, the Baylor receiver that got drafted by uh, the Titans in the first round or the guy that got drafted by the Browns in the first round. Like it didn't. So I, I this is an offense. I, so I think that's one of the big differences, right? Um, the Tennessee offense is based on is is basically it's good because of the scheme. The Clemson offense was good because of the players, and uh, you thought maybe it was a mixture of both, but it turns out it's a lot more of the players than it was the scheme there. Yep. Um, as the Bucks game is like kicking off and and ready to raring to go, um, we'll have more. I think Seth will probably do a film room at some point in the next. Coming days, I, I would yeah. I would guess. We'll try to I'll try to get one together. Um, maybe get some some stuff for Todd Orlando as well. Um, but all in all, um, it was a shot. It was the shock hire, as you mentioned, because hadn't really been talked about up until Friday Friday night. I think you you saw that. I was like, oh, that's interesting. 
Uh, I also court retweeted it. You got the heads up. Hey, he interviewed on Tuesday and he was hired Saturday night at like eight, at like nine forty. Um, so there's, there's that. And whatever, whatever comes of it is going to be interesting. I think Michael Kelly's basically staked his entire USF tenure on this hire. And that's, that's where we're at. Um, if it's successful, for Michael Kelly. If it's not, um, him and Alex Golish will not be here uh, long term. And that's just you don't you don't get to hire a head coach three times, and you don't get to fire three head coaches and hire three head coaches. It's just that that's just not how this works. And yeah. you'll be opening the new stadium with a new AD and a new head coach if it if it if it if, cool. it, if it flops. Um, yeah. Hopefully it doesn't because I promise you covering a fun team is so much more fun than having to feign interest. Uh, and this year I think tested all of us on this year podcast. Um, so, uh, but like I said, we'll have more um, Tuesday night Broyles award um, as Alex Golish is uh, a candidate to receive that award. It goes to the best assistant coach in the country. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, we will figure it out and we'll go from there. Um, but for now, thanks for tuning in. Do you guys want to watch one play before we leave? Yeah, why not? All right. One um, play. And look, I'm going to make one comment. Um, his, I, He's gonna have to go to the portal to to shore up defense. He'll he'll yeah. recruit guy to high school. That's part of what Todd Orlando and and what they both like. But they're gonna have to go to the portal. Accept it. This the quicker you accept that the portal is here, the better. And then keep some of the young guys that were there on defense, like keeping Eddie Kelly around. Make sure he's because he, he's got some potential. All right, so here we go. Motion, right? You think you're motion to the stack? Actually, don't motion to the stack. These guys got to communicate it. So he's the first. So right now, he's covering number one. That's his job. His job is probably covering number two. Motion. They think they're going to be stacked. Maybe they're thinking, all right, what's our check for stack? He actually motions past it. So now he's number one. I got to cover the new number one. They kind of snap the ball before the adjustment's been totally made. All right, well, now who's number two? Oops, nobody's got number two. And all this happens is very fast with the motion, right? So just understanding the defenses, what their checks are, and how to take advantage of them gets guys wide open. So fun stuff. All right, fun stuff. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, for Stieg and Seth, I have been Nathan. Enjoy the rest of your night. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.